It's the Bill Murphy Show. A daily one-on-one 30-minute interview featuring people from all walks of life. Available daily as a podcast at BillMurphyShow.com. And now, here's your host, Bill Murphy. And this is your digital broadcast for Wednesday, no- oh, sorry, December 1st. Yes, we are into a new month. Don't! Oh, stupid calendar. <laughs> wow, where did November go? Brought to you by Lulu's Bait Shack. Fresh Florida seafood, gigantic fishbowl drinks, and live music, including live original music night every Wednesday night. Lulu's Bait Shack in Beach Place on A1A in the heart of Fort Lauderdale Beach. What a treat to have a wise guy with me today. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to be able to keep a straight face for the next 30 minutes while I interview one of my good buddies, peers in the business, one of the more talented radio people I've been around, um, j- another audio jack-of-all-trades that I can also relate to. Uh, Ron Hersey has joined me, and he is in person as an added bonus today on the show. Thanks for coming by, buddy. Hiya, kids. Hiya, hiya. Hiya, hiya. It's good to see you, Bill. It's been a long time. It's nice to be it in the, uh, the Palatial Murphonics studios. Good uh, good excuse for us to get to hang out, something we haven't done in a long time. And you asked me when we were walking in, well, what do you want to talk about? Uh, where, which way do you want to go? Because obviously there are any number of directions that you and I could go where we would just leave out a whole bunch of stuff. So, and we, we probably will. Yeah, and yeah. no matter what we do, we're not going to get everywhere that we want to go. So let's start. Well, this is first in a five-part series. Yes. Behind the music. That could be true. Ron Hersey. Let's go back to <clears throat> 1981 or two. Oh, are you talking about she when we, we first met? Mm-hmm. Well, there, I don't know. I, See, was I, at, I was at Broward Community College, and I had interned, and I was I was interning on the morning show, so it could only have been between September of 80 and June of 82. Okay, so then it would have been in November of 1980, because it was the weekend Sonny's, of Sonny's birthday. Sonny mm-hmm. Fox, my partner for 25 years. 30 years ago, brother. Right. How and about so, that? Right on the nose, yeah, right now. Bingo. And uh, how wow. weird is that? And Because I, I walked into, I'd come from Fort Pierce. Uh, I, I was born and raised in Fort Pierce, worked in radio there for about eight years. And Wait, 80 or 81, did you say? It had to be 80. Because oh, I, I, yeah. I always thought it was 79. Sonny and I always argue. And, and uh, Well, you guys the, certainly were there before I started joining in, or I don't know how, the, how much. And how old were you when, at, at that time? <sighs> I had uh, just turned 18, Okay, I was going to say 18. Yeah, okay. And, uh, and I... It, well, it's kind of a neat story, actually. I was born and raised in Fort Pierce, worked in radio and all of these different stations in Fort Pierce. And um, and I was still relatively new. I hate to cut you off, but I was still relatively new to Florida and had only got, got a two years of high school here and then college, or two years of college. And I was I'd actually just been starting college at the time. You're telling me about Fort Pierce at the time, and I'm going, where the hell's Fort Pierce? Right. I don't even know. So what? that's like that was how new I was to all of it. And you were there from Long Island? Westchester County, okay. not Long Island, but right. yeah. Same thing. So, uh, and if you ever saw Mayberry, that was that was my life. I was Opie. Fort Pierce was exactly Mayberry. I mean, you were born, born and raised Pierce. there. Okay. Uh, my dad was a cop. My dad wore khakis. My dad was Andy Griffith. Uh, and wow. It was, and I could go into any store, any retail establishment in Fort Pierce, and tell them who my parents were. And use a phone or whatever I needed. Oh, cool. Uh, so I was working in radio at this uh, family that owned uh, WQIK in Tampa and WQIK in Jacksonville. The Rollins had uh, applied for a new frequency, an FM frequency in Fort Pierce, and they were going to go um, country. 
and I found out how to get a hold of them and interviewed in Bobby Rowland's garage. I wanted to be the program director and do mornings, and he already had those filled. At a country uh, station. Yeah, FM country. FM, that was, and it was a big buzz. Now, what kind of experience did you have at the time to go and apply for a program director job at a country station well, in Fort Pierce? And I, I being 18 at the time, you could, you're only a, a few years older than me, so you were time, still a kid. At that time, and probably in my mid to late 20s. Um, so, yeah, it was, well, it was it was an exciting thing for me because we had a couple of AM country stations and FM, had, showing my age here, FM was just really starting to catch on. And, and uh, I had been at a big band station and for my first job was a rock station in Fort Pierce on WOVV, uh, which was, on, we used to bring our records from home. It was underground. Right. Before AOR. That was even, yeah. That was album size. As cool and, as DJing ever got. Right. But I'm still, still boggles my mind that I've known you this long and I'm actually just discovering now how much older than me uh. you are. <laughs> So I'm well, doing, <laughs> you're telling me all this story, and I'm doing math in my head. I'm, no, 54. Really? I'm 54. Wow, okay. So, uh, and I went from, from playing like MC5 on the radio, and uh, um, we used to play all kinds of bizarre stuff, whatever we thought. Their AM station was uh, a, a big band station. And because of the music I'd heard at home, uh, they moved me to the big, I did afternoon drive on the big band station. Nice. And there's 16 year old kids on the air playing Benny Goodman and Harry James and, 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 and loving it. You know, and and good of, at it too, right? Oh uh, well, I you know I actually have some old tapes of me from those days. I played him for Sonny and expected a real barrage of insults. And he said, "Hey, you know, you weren't bad." So I guess <laughs> I guess I was okay. Gee, thanks. Uh, and so I, and then I wound up uh, being a music director at a at a uh, what do we call it then? It wasn't AC. It was. Um, uh, Easy listening. M-O-R. M-O-R, we middle of the road. Chicken rock, they right. used to call it. You know, you would play the bread hits, but mm-hmm. you wouldn't play, you know, the real hard stuff. Uh, and so that station had gone from playing Monovani album sides to updating their music, and I got hired away. So you had a uh, lot more experience than I thought well, before s- you came to South Florida. S- small market experience, but a real great place where you could make mistakes, and it wasn't the end of the world. Awesome. You know, if you did something wrong, it wasn't a you know, ratings point worth a million dollars. And I guess, in, in a way, it was great for me because I learned how to write copy, I learned how to produce commercials, learn how to be a music director and learn how to hire and fire people and program stations and build a clock. And so I learned in, in that market, you got to do more than one job. And I learned all of them working at different stations. So I wound up at this country station that was going FM country and interviewed in the guy's garage. And for the longest time, we were in one of those temporary job site trailers broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this PD uh, took a couple of sick days and uh, he came back and he pulled me in the studio. You always have the conversations in studios because they're soundproof. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> he closes the door and he goes, okay, I, I have some bad news and good news. He goes, the bad news is I'm leaving. I'm going to Miami. Uh, she's AM Surf is going country and I'm going to be their program director uh, and uh, do oh, afternoons. now you're going to quiz me on who this guy <clears throat> was. And he goes, and listen to this, he goes, I don't want to do mornings, and they're also looking for a production director. He goes, so I took your demo reel with me, and if you want, you got the job. This is Joe... Joe Maxwell. Joe Maxwell. Joe Maxwell. There we go. So, uh, and needless to say, I mean, I had grown up listening to She. I remember John and Barbara M. doing mornings on She. Oh, yeah. I was, and, that was while and, I was in high school. I was listening to that stuff. I remember Jonathan, you know, doing the nights and soon to be total quiet. I remember um, long, long Jim. Long Jim. And uh, I was just... Tommy um, Judge. And so for probably a day, I walked around my house going, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. 
And I came down, we finally figured out, November of... Uh, 80. 1980. Wow, my, this is a 30-year anniversary <laughs> show right here. Right here. This my is first, amazing. My first, I, I got here at like around noon on a Sunday afternoon, and I had an appearance that afternoon, a Hollywood band show. We had a bunch of country acts down there uh, playing, and we unveiled Surf Country 1580, uh, and it failed miserably. But my first day there... I'm at the coffee machine. I've been there for about five minutes. I'm getting a cup of coffee, and the door opens, and, and in walks Sonny Fox. And he's uh, there was just like an immediate, I mean, the very first conversation we had ended in both of us laughing, and we, we were total strangers, and we just clicked. And by the end of that week, we were doing bits on each other. He was wow. doing mornings on She, and I was across the hall doing mornings at Surf, and by the, the first week, we were doing stuff on each other's show. Amazing. And, then, and I was in the middle of all this. Talk about right place at the right time. I mean, for someone like me to be there, and I was interning, going to school across the street at Broward Community College, and then stealing traffic reports from the AM stations and giving them <laughs> to skip to read on the FM. Right, right. And your dad, I think, where is he? He's selling dad's the t-shirts. company was the doing jackets, the t-shirts, right. Satin jackets for the radio station. That's right. So here I am, after like eight years in Vero, Fort Pierce and Vero Beach, you know, thinking that, that that was where I would, you know, spend my entire life in Fort Pierce. And, right. and out of nowhere, not just a gig, you know, but the station that I had grown up. Of course, between she and Y100, I, I remember Y100 going on the air. Now, uh, forget the gig for a second. What about the, the, the area, the culture, the, the culture shock uh, uh you know, factor yeah, was it, was was it weird? It wasn't that different. Broward wasn't that different from St. Lucie County in those days. Sure, sure, that's uh, true. I, I lived by the Broward Mall, uh, and there was a pasture where uh, to the south of the Broward Mall, and yes. I would go that way every morning to go to work at She, and there were owls, you know, on the fence posts, uh, you know, next to the cattle. So it was a lot like Fort Pierce. Yeah, yeah. Miami, of course was was like a whole and that was at the beginning of the you know the drug cartels and the the cocaine cowboys and i remember a bunch of sales guys from she had gone to call on a client in miami and got involved in this one of those out-of-towner uh kind of shootouts between right. the drug dealers they were walking around you know remember that scene in out-of-towners like, don't shoot don't yeah shoot. right exactly and, and they're like hiding behind the same car from right. the guy this was taking place and it was their car that this was happening <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was wild and so you you're sure you're, not, you're sure you're not referencing the, the in-laws? I'm sorry, in-laws, That's right, not out-of-towners, right. Serpentine, Shell, Flames, I have flames on my Mercedes. Um, yeah, so wow, this is just, hold on, we need to slow down for a second because we just covered a lot of stuff. Now, Now, simultaneously when this was going on, my routine was I found a few times where I would steal from, I knew what time, IOD and INZ and whatever it was, QAM, I think at the time, were doing their traffic. And so I'd get little gaps of 10, 15 minutes where I'd have nothing right. to do. And I'd come hang out with you while you were in the studio in the Surf 16. And I I'm telling you what, I'd still tell people th to this day, and even when I taught classes at Connecticut School of Broadcasting, how valuable that that time was that I spent with you guys. Because I was in the room, and I'd watch you while I was talking to you, watch you work and queue up records and figure out by watching you which controlled which control on the board handled which turntable and then when you were doing commercials later i'd kind of wait till you left the room to answer a call and press a button and see what would happen and i mean that there's nothing better than that kind of experience and and uh you're right you're absolutely right you did the same thing when you were in fort pierce correct? and here's the thing i used to uh, i've told people this story hunter i knew ever i knew a disc jockey at every radio station from vero beach which was north of fort pierce right to stewart which is south of fort pierce i knew uh, somebody at every station and there were many times i'd get off the air at, at wax in, in vero beach and drive up to wtt and spend probably more than 
twice the time that I'd been on the air at my station at this other guy's station mm-hmm. watching him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a guy that, that called himself the Flying Dutchman that was doing all nights on a station in Stewart. And he would start off playing, uh, you know, rock. Uh, and then as it got later in the evening, closer to three or four o'clock, he'd, he'd shift into some really intense jazz. And I used to go hang out with him, too. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to explain to somebody who's not in the industry. But if you have a real hunger, if you have a real love, uh, and, I, and I've had a fascination for all types of broadcasting since I was uh, very, very young. Right. Me, too. Um, one, another story I've told people I was fortunate times. enough, though, to grow up in outside of the New York area, so I heard all those people so you were when I was a kid. Some, some yeah. big, big people. Big names. Uh, but I can remember in the fourth grade for my birthday, the two things I begged, I begged my parents uh, to give me for gifts. One was a, a transistor radio. Um, so I could listen to QAM because she wasn't even on in those right, days right. when I was in fourth grade. And the other was uh, our, uh, our Eagle Army Navy sold a Juliet um, tape recorder that had uh, like little, um, uh, there weren't even three, maybe like less than three inch reels, little tiny reels. Oh, reel to reel, not cassette. Reel not to in, no, it was before cassettes. It was yeah. a little Juliet tape reel recorder, reel tape recorder right. with a microphone. And so what I would do is I would I would hold the mic up to the, because I knew when the commercials were on QAM, I knew a song was coming up next. Right. So I'd put the mic in front of the speaker and I'd get real close to the mic and then I'd, I'd try to identify the song as quickly as I could on the first note, you know. Oh, okay, this is for what it's worth, Buffalo Spring. And then I'd introduce it. Oh, I you know? see. So I so like in fourth grade, I'm practicing talk-ups. Yeah, with cut-off <laughs> beginnings. Yeah, that's right. great. Yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome. So I, I, it's always been this love affair with the industry, and it's and it and so if when you do love something like that, it, it you know you spend all day at the radio. Yeah. Well, you like you said, you hung out. How many times did we on a Saturday we'd be at She all day just playing yeah. around in the studio? It's weird. I mean, we we were definitely um, tainted or, or jaded, I guess is the word, and 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 spoiled because. I would teach these kids in class, and was tra- you're trying to teach these people how to have chops, you know? Right. And, and, and you just want to say to them, <laughs> you know what you guys need to do is just find a radio station that you can hang out with and watch these people, because, I mean, no matter what I teach you here, right. you know, it's not nothing's better than pressing a button and finding out that that was the wrong button. And you never forget that. That'll you teach you quicker than anything else. Sure. And it's, you know, and it's a blessing. It's a really blessing to do something that you that you really dig and right. some, and then by the same token something that you know without being you know arrogant that you're really good at so um, we covered the first four years of ron hersey's 35 year career and good night everybody right. we'll see you next time for all right part two we love you wow half the show over with uh, all of that we can go over a little bit there's no rule that says we have to stop at 30 minutes now you don't have to hit the network or anything things or quickly snowballed from that point on i mean you guys uh, over at, at she the the uh, the short version of the evolution that took place there is that the she thing went on for a little while. You became an integral part of the the she morning show. There was it. Were you ever part of it in an official capacity, or were, did you just do it uh, simultaneously with the surf gig? Um, well, eventually, somehow or another, I managed to get wrangle myself away from. Oh, I remember how I well, I eventually did Neil Mursky who was the program director, is a good friend of ours. Was a guest um, on this show recently. Uh, was doing middays, and I think... Program director. He was also program director, and, I th- and he had left, and um, they needed a midday person. And I remember corralling. I mean, the minute I heard, I corralled Sonny in some studio because it was soundproof. Right. And I, and I, <laughs> I want the gig. I want that gig. I got to have that gig. And as I recall, he wasn't really 
too cool on the idea. But as it turned out, management thought it was a great idea for whatever reason. So I wound up doing middays. And, and again, for love of the industry, I didn't have to be there till I think 10 o'clock in the morning. Right. And I, I got there every morning at seven because what I wound up finding a thing way to do was to read, I read on the air the traffic reports that you stole right. from the other radio stations. So right. I wormed my way in. And so then here's another skill. Now I've learned how to do traffic. You right. know, it just kind of happenstance. So in a, you know now I've learned copywriting, commercials, and a little bit of sales, which I didn't really like, doing news. Because in Vero Beach, I had to do top five minutes at the top of the See, hour. This was like a, this was sort of at the cusp, the beginning of, of consolidating people into into multitask jobs, which is something that's regularly done by Clear Channel and all the big um, and, uh, corporations now. And it was standard. out of convenience. And back then, it was you know it started with folks like you that was. Now they, I ruined it for the whole industry. Right? Yeah. If there's all those people out of work, it's you my know fault. How many jobs yeah. you eliminated. I know, it's I unbelievable. Know, sorry. Thanks, Ron. But uh, that was standard operating procedure in small markets right. in those days. And right. you know everybody had to do our general manager was a sport was the sports guy yeah. and he owned the place <laughs> right, you know? right i mean right. everybody did something extra yeah uh yeah our receptionist did news for a while it was insane it was this just, uh, insane. interview has turned far too serious and it oh, sounds okay. like a, a, an episode of inside the actor's studio and we need to do some laughing because you and i pretty much laugh more than uh well the truth be told now people just, i know just about now is when the laughs really kick in in the really? hersey story <laughs> 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 you know i mean when you put ron hersey and That's sunny true. fox together together uh and 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 what what really happened was after a couple of years of, of doing this you know we obviously had clicked immediately and 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 i, I really thought the show that we did because uh, we started i do do impressions and right. sonny and i started writing bits and stuff and, and the show all when he does this george gump character and which i totally bought into right away uh we had this theory that we called the- theater of the mind uh where you 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 paint these pictures with with sound which was right down my alley because i've been doing that for eight years and Yep. In Fort Pierce of Rowe Beach. So the show really w- was a, gr- a very funny show. And Bill Tanner had been doing mornings at Y100. And for whatever reason, he left to go to Washington uh, to work at Wash FM. And I've never figured that out. But he called Sonny and he said, look, man, I'm leaving. And you guys really need to do this morning show. And uh, Sonny called David Ross and said, yeah, you know, to his credit, he said, you know, if you want the show you're hearing, it's, it's me and it's this guy, Ron Hersey. And so they said, fine. And next thing I know, I'm in David Ross's office and we're drinking champagne and we're signing contracts. And, and here I, we're doing this morning show at Y100. <laughs> and it just went, in, it went insane. I remember saying, first off, I said to Sonny, you know, I'm really worried because we're like rock guys we're working at this rock station you know and what are people going to think when they hear us on this Y100 they play Lionel Richie and yeah. and we'd be in Sonny's car and we'd be listening to it and I'd look at him and go wow you know like, uh, <laughs> right. but what happened was it was right the exact same time talk about synergy it was when MTV hit and so you know they were playing any video they could get their hands on because yep. there weren't a lot of videos to go around so there were a lot of you know, artists that got a lot of exposure. And we went from Y100 playing like Duran Duran and ABC and Men at Work and Missing Persons, went right to Y100 playing ABC and Men at Work. Yeah, yeah it's true. You took made the transition right. at the same it time. It was like jumping on an iceberg and just, you know, just it yep. was like this. If it had been like a, a month before or a month after, it may have never done. Right. And I said, God, I'm really worried about the ratings. And I remember the first, and I'm not I'm not a ratings guy. I'm not one of these, you know, I was number one in 1834. Right, right, but, right. But the first book came out and we double Bill Tanner's ratings. And then from then on, it just, you know, it just blew up. Now, but and that note, and I'll, you know, again, at the risk of sounding too serious, being the other guy, 
Okay, because I've had that role myself too, and and it's a stereotypical thing where you've got the morning show star, and then you've got this sidekick, second guy, partner, whatever you want to call it, whatever label's been on it. Um, overall, is there? Do you feel like the the uh, the sidekicks have been underappreciated and therefore underpaid over the years? I mean, that's something that really can't be avoided. There's some lopsided uh, disparity there sometimes. Is there not? Um, yeah, but understand too that you know there's in the case of me and Sonny uh, in his situation, you know, there's an intense amount of liability there and accountability and importance and ratings and responsibility and stuff that, that you really didn't. That I really want. have to sweat. You, <laughs> you know? didn't want right. So yeah, he was making twice as much as I was, but he had twice as much but stress at the same time. So. As he told Dave, the show isn't what it is without and, Ron. And and I was amazed when he. I mean, not that I, I thought he was a bad guy but he didn't need to but right, i think right, he right. realized and and i realized so you know you don't want to do like a, an intense morning show like that by yourself right you just don't and you want somebody that's that's of like mind and then somebody that you get along with too so, so good you point don't i don't really look at it like that so the guys of today when you see these big name morning guys out there with the big star and then the the other guy that really makes them who they are is are they more closely paid now these days generally speaking do you think i don't know i have to talk right. to i'm you know i i'm still in the business but i'm really so out of the mix as far as who's where not that i even really and, care anyway yeah. i'm just throwing that out there so um i you know i'm i'm sure I, and and you know and and i've learned over the years that you know no radio station is going to give you uh they're not even going to offer you what they're willing to give you. Of course. Right. You know? Right, right. And you got to be smart. And a lot of it is right place at the right time. And I was always, you know, like the old hippie and, you know, never really motivated, unfortunately, by the dollar, you know, always in the industry because I loved it. And, yep. you know, the, you know, always played music, the songs that I enjoy playing. And I refused to, you know. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> right? You pick formats according to your taste, right? You right. Know, it's like, <laughs> sorry, I only got to work in rock. But, um, all right, so not to, like, put a gun to your head and make you come up with something. Uh, boy, I really said that very New Yorkish. Oh, put a gun to your head. Yeah. Not to put a gun to your head, but to, to force you to think of the some of the outstanding highlights of those days. We're talking about maybe the last few years, at, or last year or so at She, the Y100 heyday where you guys were doubling Tanner's ratings and just going on fire. And then the morning would, I'll, I'll set this up while you think of something, Basically, you'd go through the news stories in the morning. Sonny would kind of throw a news story at you, and you guys would go back and forth and maybe throw a line out there, and a, bil a bit would get built slowly but surely amongst a lot of laughs while records were playing. And then uh, at some point, you would pick up a phone and be a, someone imitating a, a, a celebrity. And then uh, it would, uh, were they written? Were they outlined? Were they, we'll start with this and see how it goes? What was the structure? It eventually evolved into a show that we really scripted. We scripted the bits, and then we would, by the next morning, we would ignore everything that we had written. done the day before. Well, that's a lot of work. Um, well, it you know what? It gives you a freedom. You have a safety. You have something to fall back on, you know? Yeah. If, if you can't, if you don't get inspired by something in that morning's newspaper, hey, you know, where's that bit we wrote yesterday? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And that's like a safety net. And so that gives you that confidence to, you know. That we've got something to fall yeah, back well, if we, we don't got something it. else if it don't work. So right, let's, right. let's, as Sonny was, let's give it a whirl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and we would we would write scripts and then we would, we would I would, you know, Sonny and I would come up with different lines and try to crack each other up, you know, and see just, you know, well, how far can we take this yeah so yeah we would we would write material and ignore it and then when we did do it we would completely change it 
and and that that made it insane. And then, like you said, at she, we were on top of all of this producing stuff while we were on the air. Yeah, instead yeah. of instead of producing stuff before the day before, right. we'd write it, we wouldn't produce it. Right. Um, we in some sort of situations we would. A lot of the stuff we did, we produced on the air while we were doing the show, while records were playing, and we were using records for sound effects at the time. So it was. It was I a, found, and then, of course, and, I and, got, and that's where Sonny was the master. I mean, right. you know, I was. I'm trying to think of what I, I got just, to do similar work with Sonny in Dallas as, as part of his morning at, show at, uh, at Y95. Y95, yeah. right. And I guess not forget, you've been on the radio Actually, it was a lot K-H-Y-I, of and this one's W-H-Y-I. Right, right. which I thought was often Very busy. strange coincidence. But it, so we, we, what I found was that the fact that you had three and a half minutes to complete it made it funnier because you're you're trying to rush those lines in. You're, well, you're forced into doing it. You've got a deadline you've got to do. You can't mess around. we got to come up with this bit now. And mm. messing up was usually was not the funniest option. part of it. And, or if you did, then you you know, you you know, you you capitalized on that. Well what I'm saying is yeah, messing up is what made them really if if, if a sound effect went awry or right. or if the You forgot your line or something happened then sometimes you know what you would take off on that and you go yeah, off in a whole exactly. other different avenue. And you know, I think probably I, I reached a point where it got very self indulgent. I mean I can remember we were doing bits sometimes that were two and a half <laughs> almost three minutes long and then we'd get off the air and, and we'd have to sit and condense it down to a 30 second promo right. for the show oh, yeah. and I remember Robert Walker saying you know that promo is just as funny as that three minute bit and you know <laughs> and, and so so it did get a little self-indulgent after a while right okay yeah. so you're not coming up with a particular case, an example of something that really really made you laugh the, uncontrollably the, a, a bit that we did oh they were all oh, there every day one of your I favorites mean, that, that, that really you remember just rolling on the floor laughing as they say I remember a, a situation. It seemed like when when we were in the worst physical condition we could possibly be, we were our funniest. I remember we'd done this Statue of Liberty thing, and we were in New York City, and we took this red eye back to town, and there were adult uh, entertainment beverages involved in the flight, and I overslept. I mean, I even get there to like 7 o'clock, and I, I wish I could remember... We did some bit, and I actually, I mean, I was in pain. I was laughing so hard. And I can remember distinctly, Sonny, and I would say, you know, the, the days we felt the worst, the days we were the oh, sickest, yeah. the days that we were the saddest, or the days that we were the most depressed or angry or had the worst arguments were the days that we did the most brilliant bits. I, and, I know and, that myself. And, you know, you hear, you read things about how John Belushi, you know, was his, you know, when he was at his worst, he was his funniest. And so sometimes... You know, you relate to that, but then sometimes you begin to crutch on that. You know, yeah, well, yeah. I'll be okay. You know? yeah, it's, it's like that Larry Miller the routine. You know, well, as long as I can, you know, get a half hour of sleep, uh, you know, on the train on the way to work, I'll be funny. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it got self-indulgent, and then it, it finally imploded. Doing so. those hours, did you find yourself in situations without, you know, I know, I know we kind of got to, you know, keep this relatively family-friendly, but... Did you find yourself in situations where you were up all night and being a little bit decadent and it got past the point of no return? It's like, oh. okay, well, it's four o'clock now. I'm not getting to sleep. Well, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned that. I spent many a, a night's sleep on the couch at the oh, lobby at of the radio she. station, really. And John Ford, your co-host in, in, in Dallas, Dallas, was the all-night guy at She, and he would have to come wake me up. Oh, uh, man. Sure, many. I've spent many hours on the couch, and I can remember a certain party with a certain program director uh, at uh, Pier 66 uh -huh. when we were at Y100 where we were uh, sharing some... Uh, 
uh, fun libation and and i remember we were putting stuff away and and <laughs> ready to exit the room and, and he looks at his watch and he goes oh man you got to be on the air in, in another hour he goes here have a little more <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was my boss yeah right but that was the era i mean yeah. that was like i said that was the height of the 80s i mean it was in, uh, you, you couldn't go anywhere and you couldn't avoid it especially right. in radio you in know, the I mean, 80s my gosh uh, i mean you know and it but and it's it's not something i'm proud of and and you know but coming from fort pierce and coming here you know you talk about culture shock you know when you when you're just exposed to that and and uh, after a while though it takes its toll so where do we find you these days i mean and it, that do the the that eventually evolved into a really a, a successful run over at magic 102.7 as well with you guys right, right. eventually because like i say, it sort of wound up imploding it got very self-indulgent and i wound up getting blown out and i wound up going to virginia and working in norfolk virginia beach and sonny went to y95 and worked with you in dallas uh and tony novio a mutual good friend of ours who had been the promotions director at y100 uh called me and said yeah i just had lunch with Sonny and uh, you know you guys were really you guys should get back together again so oh, wow because so he was instrumental in bringing you guys back together yeah cool. so I gave Sonny because we kind of parted I mean I got blown out and, and it, we were all at each me and Sonny and Footy and we were all at each other's throats at that point it was that we'd been together for five years and it had just all sort of imploded and so we didn't depart on the best of terms so I called Sonny he was in Dallas he'd gotten blown out at Y95 and we decided the thing to do was to do a comedy service now we're tired of working for radio stations let's just do the funny stuff and sell it to other DJs and so um, we went to Dallas my wife was working for Eastern Airlines at the time so I could fly to Dallas uh, for like 15 bucks if, nice. I, if I wanted to fly first class it was $20 so, wow, wow. so I would fly to Dallas on Monday from my home in Atlanta Sonny and I would go to Century 21 Studios and produce this demo for a comedy service. And then I'd come back home Friday night and spend the weekend and go back Monday. I was like commuting back and forth to Dallas on this comedy service. Uh, and, you know, the magic began again and the fun began again. And uh, an opening happened at, uh, in 91 at Magic and Sonny contacted those guys and we worked there for seven years. And oh, was, that was a seven-year run. That's yeah. pretty good. That's nice. Uh, and then that kind of Sonny went there first and then I went the, a year after after when we wound up reuniting at, at KISS doing country for three years. And then um, we did another comedy service following that. And then he went on to XM and, and I've been working at various stations. I have doing my own studio like you do, some voiceover stuff. Uh, lots of, uh, in two couple of music groups playing out. Now, some of the non-radio people listening to this that, that just know people like you and me for that matter as personalities in the radio and they and they, they noticed that there's a distinct difference between radio now and a decade ago and certainly a couple of decades ago. Even though I know you, I know the story, you know the story, we've talked about it with each other, you know, many times. What is, um, what is the thing that's most disappointing to you about radio when you compare it now, the, the, what goes on with radio now is, is 20 years ago? Um, and I mean, I don't want to come across as somebody who just wants to sit here and slam radio, but it's, right. a, it's unfortunate that the evolution well, that's happened. And what what is the thing that's you're most disappointed about? Well, let me first say you have to understand that the way people use radio has changed dramatically because there are so many different sources of music and news and entertainment. Uh, and when you say that, you're talking about iPods, iTunes, satellite. I, I mean, it's everywhere. Pandora, your iPhone, anything right. you want, right? And and uh, so. 
it's it's being used in a different way, and it's not being used as much as it, it used to be. And I so number one, that's kind of taken its toll on the industry. But I think the thing that saddens me saddens me the most is I don't see that fire. I don't I don't I don't see people you know leaving their gig at the radio station and going to another station. Not that you can anymore. You can't. But but just hang out. I mean, I I don't see that. Uh, that that love that hunger uh, for, with a lot of the younger people that are the end. and I think that kind of uh, reflects in what the, the end product. I, I don't think you know there's there's not a lot of excitement coming out of the speaker. There's not a lot of enthusiasm. Well, when you go back uh, to you as a child or me as a child and the radio that we were listening to, that put a spark in us that made us real passionate about well, the industry. And I mean, the you things, grew up in New York. I mean, who were you listening to? You know, what's really funny about that is that I was listening to Carol Miller on a WPLJ 95.5. Yeah, I mean, and then, and then in 1997, I ended up in New York at a, a Grammy Awards uh, radio broadcast. And, and there she was. And the table next to me, and I got to tell her that she was uh, the cool. reason that I got into business. So, you know, we went for full circle. But what I think was if you take a child of the 90s who's a teenager or college student now, I mean, if you think about what they were listening to when they were kids, it's not kind of the same thing that you want to get a life long well, desire about you know no, it's it's a it's a it's a very disposable society now and and music is being used and disposed of and and you know I'm, i don't want to say there's not a lot of good music being produced because i'm sure there is and, and i've some of the stuff i've heard my daughter who's 16 almost 16 sarah turns me on to some a lot of really good groups uh, she's very esoteric in her listening, and so uh, it's not a real chore to, to share songs with her. Uh, but um, I, I just don't, I don't hear any anthems, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't see kids today still pining over, uh, you know, last year's hit. Right. You know, last year's hit is like, oh, that's like so old. Yeah, yeah. It's not and, cool to listen to something that right. was a few years old. And when old, we were right. coming up, you know, they were anthems. And, right. and, you know, if it was five years old, oh, God, remember that? And, yeah, yeah. and we used to say, you know, music was the soundtrack of your life, you know, and you remember your first kiss and you remember. And so I, I, I not that it's not happening, but I just don't see it happening as often as it used to. Absolutely And not. And since you're talking about music, you know, it's pretty fun. I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, you started the show by saying, well, this is going to be a knockdown drag out. Uh, we haven't had one. Know, Thing funny Lass said the a whole time. and we're just talking real serious but but um i can edit that out right <laughs> we'll, we'll re-record the introduction that's right we'll do the first um, five minutes over again and i just don't see those songs and uh, a great example of this is uh, my daughter sarah and i were going home from some family thing and we were listening to magic uh, and uh, the guy's like, hey, you know, what would you like to hear? Give me a call. And the guy calls up and says, I would like to hear the live version of Hotel California by the Eagles. And I looked at my daughter and said, yeah, like that's going to happen on magic, you know. And, and then bling, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're playing this on magic. I'm f unbelievable. So I cranked it up. And it's what's it, like about an eight minute yeah, yeah. version. You know? We didn't say a single word. I never opened my mouth. She never opened her mouth. We sat in total silence. And I mean, it's an it's amazing version of the song. Oh, yeah. It's a credible arrangement. From the hell freezes over. Oh, um, my yeah. God. It's great. Yeah. And we, so we didn't say a word. I mean, here's a 54-year-old guy and, a, and at that time, 14-year-old girl. And we're both not saying a word. Yeah. So we pull in the driveway. I put the car in park. Nobody moves. We, we sat in the car until the song was finished. And we both turned and looked at each other, and I said, you know, Sarah, now that is the mark of a great song and a great performance, because there's two people from two totally different generations can, can sit and appreciate it 
you know, from whatever angle, but yep. still appreciate it for being a, a, an amazing piece of music. And and so I don't I don't see those kind of songs. Yeah, you could certainly go back ten years from right now and not find one song that would do the same thing. Exactly. So so in that way, yeah, they're kind of hurting themselves, but in another way, they're just responding to the way that music is being used. So you can't fault you know artists and producers and stuff because they're they're filling a need for people in this era, just like the artist of our time and and my time you know, filled a need, but it was in a different way and, and used in a different way. Now, as I have... Now, wasn't that funny? Well, that was hysterical. <laughs> I'll cover all this we meant to be funny, but it ended up not being funny thing in the blurb when I write it up on the show. Right. Uh, now, let's get into Ron Hersey today. What are you up to? I mean, and you... you, you you, we, there's so many things that we are parallel with, and then one of them is always keeping that uh, the live music thing as part of our lives. I think it's always been something that you know we've had in us, and we need to get that release on stage once in a while. So you play with a couple of bands. Tell me about the bands and the places that you are working on the air at the moment. Okay. Um, I'm in a band. We call ourselves Flashback Forever. Okay. Um, and it's uh, four piece, two guitars, Sounds bass. Sounds like drums. there's outfits involved. <laughs> and makeup. <laughs> and props. No. No, no, no. It's uh, kind okay. of. Okay. It's, it's, it's a great group. I mean, I, you know, you always say that, but we play everything from like James Brown and Sam and Dave to uh, Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots. Nice. And, uh, okay. So it's a nice mix of uh, the hits of yesterday and today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's more diverse than nobody's fault. I was right. pretty proud of us. When I describe our band, I say, you know, we did play everything from Cream to Creed. Well, there you go. But, there I mean, you go. you, you you're, you're well, going all the way back to Sam and Dave, too. And our other guitar player plays trumpet, so he does all the trumpet stuff on Soul wow. Man and stuff like that. So it's a nice. It's a nice. Uh, it's a nice. Blend. It's so. a nice blend. I love it. You're going to love it. And uh, we're, we've just recently taken a hiatus because uh, uh, Jeff's going in for some surgery. Sucks getting old. Get well so, soon, yeah, Jeff. Get well, Jeff, man. Uh, and we're going to start playing again. Uh, we'll be accepting appointments first of the year. <laughs> then... Uh, <laughs> good buddy of mine steve michaels not his real name <laughs> steve michaels and i have a thing uh, it's a duet we play to tracks sorry musicians uh but we play acoustics and we uh, we usually start out the night playing like buffett and um eagles and stuff and then do you play to tracks that you created or no no uh, come on yes yes slacker <clears throat> we don't use tracks exclusively oh okay just right. for enhancements okay of the live performance and helpers yes uh and so we play out we call ourselves deuce because uh, I guess he played casinos and stuff a lot, and it kind of fit in at the okay. time. So, <laughs> and you're two but, people. Uh, I get it. But it's you know it's nice. It's it's, <laughs> it's yes, exactly. Dewey Amicho, Lo Siento. Boy, you really know how to work a mic. You got I, me getting close. I've got to try to get up real close and do that too. <laughs> so then, Ron. You know, we we both started out back so, here, and then it became know, like a comedy. Uh, yeah, uh, Bill. <laughs> Bill's. Became a who can get closer to the <laughs> microphone contest. Wait a minute. Bill's voice is sounding deeper than mine. <laughs> I must get closer. And then you worked in <laughs> Dallas for a short time. <laughs> tried to get that syndicated thing going. Uh, uh, okay. Well, that was funny. Okay. But also, while you're doing... While you've got the live <laughs> bands going, you've also got uh, a couple of on-air gigs that you're working yes, on right now, too. Um, well, I work at uh, WFTL in uh, in greater Fort Lauderdale, the greater Tri-County area <laughs> in South Florida. Uh, I'm I'm their production director. I, I it, you know, uh, 
I did just about everything at the station. I've been on the air, did news and stuff in the mornings, but uh, they, they gave me the opportunity to move into the production department and do commercials, and I thought, you know what? The closer I get to the revenue stream, <laughs> the better I'm going to be. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, let me do that. The better chance the checks and, have of clearing. Right, and and it's funny because there's two of us. There's two production guys, and the other guy says, well, you know, we generally split up the responsibilities. You know, one guy does promos, the imaging for the station. The other guy does, I'll do the spots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, and it's great. I really enjoy being there. It's, I enjoy doing production. As you said one time, I have a short attention span. I'm usually only brilliant for no more than 60 seconds anyway. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I may as well do commercials. Uh, so I, and I, uh, that's, it's a great gig. I've been there five years. That's, that's almost awesome. a Hersey record. That is. Yeah. It is awesome, Bill. And, then, <laughs> and, and that is good coffee. It's quite the tenure so, for a radio guy. <laughs> 402 in New York City. <laughs> That is good coffee, Al. Al Dugan, our engineer. If you're within the sound of my voice, we're locked inside the studio. Remember that, Robert Klein? We're a quarter past the hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, in addition to that, I do voiceovers, as you do. Uh, you probably hear me on Comcast. I was the voice of Lingerie Football League for a while. I was very proud of that. <laughs> I remember one time when we were young, you introduced me to some girls. He's Captain Video. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that? That? Oh, yeah. that's, oh, that impressed the hell out of them. Oh, yeah. We yeah. got a long way with them, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, the commercials were obnoxious. Uh, He's Captain Video. Yeah, you ever yeah. heard the Captain Video commercials? Captain Video. Oh, man. It was like Crazy Eddie on steroids. Or helium, I can't decide. Oh, wow. And uh, what else do I do? Traffic. Uh, I'm doing, I work for uh, Metro Networks at Westwood One, uh, doing traffic and uh, news and, and for uh, di different uh, markets, Tampa and Orlando. And, and uh, so I do that in the afternoons. And in my spare time, I pretty much spend myself uh, passed out on the floor. Well, listen, to make it up to the audience who was probably anticipating a very, very funny knockdown, drag out laugher of a show here and, and ended up hearing a radio industry. A boring dissertation. <laughs> radio <laughs> version of In the Actor's Studio. Right. Um, if you were a tree. Because it's soundproof. Yes. Um, and we have nice microphones. <laughs> Maybe we we, we have the Avalon vacuum tube microphone preamp. We should... Um, Maybe make plans to do a future show where we actually dig up some old bits and play them. Okay. How, how about we'll that? Dig up some old people, too. <laughs> we'll really make it exciting. <laughs> Who could we call right now and get on the show? To put, well, we'll do that, too. We'll call. Well, yeah, we'll do. We'll call Sonny. We'll have a call-in guest. We'll call Sonny. And then we'll play some old bits and stuff. It'll be really funny. We'll It'll call work. Neil, or I could just pretend. We'll call Sonny as Neil. Right. Hey, Sonny. How hey, you doing? Like, I got a gig for you, Sonny. <laughs> It's the Bill Murphy show. Ron Hersey's oh, yeah. doing it with him, and you can. Well, so didn't you? I thought you had Sonny on already. I told you I had Neil on, and did I tell you what we did? No. We had, I had Neil on, and I had since I knew exactly what time Neil was going to be here recording with me. I called our old buddy Mark, and uh, told him call oh. me, call us at one twenty two. Oh, is that exactly? Funny. And, and then and do Neil? He was Neil. Oh, is that funny? Well, we fired Joe St. Peter. So one Neil's time. sitting here, and my phone rings. I pick it up, and I hear, "Hey, Bill, it's Neil. Listen, I'm in traffic. I'm running a little bit late. I'm not going to be able to make it." <laughs> okay, well, who's this guy? <laughs> So it was great. Yeah, it's good to hear my voice again. <laughs> Ron Hersey of uh, WFTL. Yeah. What, uh, that's it? You're kicking me out? That's eight, it? 850 or I was. My agent told me this was an hour show. Uh, no. <laughs> well, it almost is. <laughs> eight, um, you know, the 30-minute the, the version was just as funny, Ron. <laughs> 
<laughs> you beat me to it. Yeah. I was going there, man. I was going there. Um, WFTL eight fifty or six forty, and what's eight. the deal with that? They're both called WFTL. Well, you know, it's uh, that's it's, weird. That's just, that's it's the kind of out of the box programming that we like to do at James Crystal Broadcasting, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> and you know, I want to give a, a thumbs up to, to to Bill Stedman over there at Magic because you said they actually played the live version of I Hotel was, California. I couldn't believe you know, the guy probably like got a, fired. Was it a lunchtime Bill? request? No, it was at night. It was at night. Bill probably heard this broadcast. Stedman probably fired the guy. <laughs> he he just probably got somebody yeah. fired right now. He probably said, "Okay, that would have been about six months ago." <laughs> It's about nine Vance Phillips is looking for another gig right now. <laughs> well, sure. Hey, Bill, listen, why don't you interview me on your show? <laughs> My agent tells me it's an hour long, and I figure I can get some exposure. Can I give out my website? VancePhillips.com. Vance, we Van, love whatever. you, buddy. We love you, buddy. I'm just kidding. I don't even know him. Oh, it's God. safer that way. What a good group of folks over there. And you know what? Really, really... <laughs> Seriously, they're doing a great job, as you pointed out, by them playing that tune. I mean, that's well, unheard of. Sure. I mean, and they're not playing any of the songs that they were playing when we were there. You know, it was all oldies then. But again, you know, music changes. You know, today's today's hits are tomorrow's oldies, and we play them all right now. This, this song grew 10 years while it was on the air. Ron Hersey, you can find him at... Uh, what, do you have a personal website where people can find you? or Herseyproductions.com. Okay. And That's Herseyproductions.com, Bill. Do you have a Facebook page, too? Uh, yeah, Ron Hersey. Right. I'm, I'm, Am I on your Facebook page? Yeah, man. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. And, uh, You're not very active on that, are you? I don't have time, man. You know, well, well, we, we know 10 that hour now. days, six days a week. You we know, know that with fact, everything I, you've just told us now. So, uh, okay. And where can we see your band next? Uh, uh, oh, uh, the uh, the group Deuce, uh, my good friend Steve Michaels and I, not his real name. Not his real name. Are playing uh, at uh, Vino DeSantis. You said it differently than I did. Vino DeSantis, I think it's called, uh, in Coral Springs. And The Walk will be there Friday, uh, what is Friday, December the 4th? That's coming up. Uh, from 7 to 11. Thank you for asking. All right. Excellent. And then we'll be at the Laugh Factory in Atlanta on uh, November 25th. <laughs> yeah, be at the thanks for coming month. by, buddy. Hey, Ron, thanks for having me, it's man. It's been a blast. And Enjoy we will it. do it again. And we're going to do some like radio memories. Maybe we'll get a, a few other people in here, like a panel. We'll tell uh, some jokes. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know what I was thinking, Bill? I, I was thinking that we should interview you. All of a sudden, my mouth quit working. We, I should interview you on the show. Yeah. And you know what? As a matter of course, fact. Of course, I wouldn't do it like that. I <laughs> 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 you should. <laughs> yeah. No, Bill. <laughs> Listen. Um, as a matter of fact, I did uh, set out a goal that when my, when it was time for my one hundredth show, when that it was I would time to hang it up. Uh, yeah. When it was my one hundredth show, I yeah. would have somebody interview me. And I think this is. I literally. I think this is like ninety six or seven. Yeah. So okay. we may be just a few days away from well, you doing that. Put me down as your interviewer. That would be fantastic. All okay, right, we've, we've decided who the interviewer is going to be when uh, the tables get turned on me. Tune in again yep. tomorrow for possibly another new show, <clears throat> but definitely another version of Music Friday coming up on Friday right here at www.billmurphyshow.com. Uh, Ron Hersey's been my guest. Anything else? Any closing words? They turned me loose from the nervous hospital. Wow. Told me I was well. And then we'll have to have mm. another edition with nothing but uh, <laughs> impressions the whole time. Check you back here tomorrow for another new show. Log on each weekday for another edition of The Bill Murphy Show at BillMurphyShow.com. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to Murph at BillMurphyShow.com. That's M-U-R-P-H at BillMurphyShow.com. A Murphonics Media Production.